This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Thrill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. And everything from the state of hockey. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. Welcome in to episode number 141 here on the Huskies Warming House podcast, our second to last episode of the calendar year in 2022, actually. Nick Maxson joining myself, Noah Grant. We are excited to talk all things hockey. It was a tough week in the hockey world for St. Cloud Hockey, actually, all things considered. Yeah. Uh, as we go through only one win in four total contests between the men's and women's clubs, we'll obviously dive into that because, uh, as Chicken Little would say, the sky is falling, um, according to some, apparently. So we'll definitely touch on that. The Minnesota Wild have had kind of an up and down week, but overall have trended slightly in the right direction ish. A couple of key performers standing out, a couple of key injuries too that have obviously yeah. uh, changed some lineup things as well. And then our extra ice session, we're going to talk a little bit about poles versus pairwise and kind of talk you know, viewers and listeners through what they kind of should be looking for, how much stock they should be taking into everything. Obviously, the pairwise is math, but still kind of hard to figure out at certain points because of number of games played, strength of schedule. You know, there's certainly a lot of factors that go into that, too. So we'll definitely kind of try to dive into that as much as we can. And we start, as always, with Center Ice View News and Notes and the Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup. Center Ice View News and Notes. Center Ice View provides you with the best coverage of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey from game notes, recaps, photos, and more. Go to centericeview.com. Nice few news and notes here now on this Sunday morning. And uh, speaking of Sunday mornings, you know when you have, you know, you get up early, you get that cup of coffee, and you and you go, hmm, woke up today, and there's some good things happening today. You just have that vibe. Well, for Shane Wright, uh, Seattle Krakenford, he's headed to Canada, head of the World Junior uh, Selection Camp. Yeah. Uh, this had been widely rumored, so this is not a a shock to many. And dare we say that? Despite our grievances with maybe how he was being handled earlier in the season, uh, he went down to the American Hockey League and, he, well, essentially set it on fire, uh, has come back. He scored his first NHL goal earlier this week. And shall we say that maybe his game is trending in the right direction, Noah? Yeah, certainly is. Uh, scored against Montreal, obviously, which is, you know, intriguing of all things, depending on whether or not you believe he stared down the draft table. Who says he did? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it'd be kind of cool if he did, I guess, if he turns out to, you know, be the stud. Slavkovsky, of course, has had a couple of points as of recent, too, for Montreal. So certainly a battle between those two. But Shane Wright, uh, you know, I got a feeling by the end of the year he's going to pan out. You know, it, it yeah. just kind of, you have that feeling. And, we kind of talked about Seattle having a plan. 
they kind of had one, but like, I don't know that it was as definitive as we really wanted to make it. Uh, right. You know, I think that it was a, a little bit of a wait and see game apparently, but uh, nonetheless, this kind of was semi the plan. If he wasn't going to, you know, kind of explode right out of the gate uh, and have a great NHL campaign. And even so, uh, you know, what a great pickup for this world junior squad that could really use him. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I imagine he's going to do just fine at this tournament, a little more confidence boost curious to see what he does uh in the start of 2023 and see if he can use that momentum that i'm assuming he's going to generate into something really positive uh at the big time level and i think that's what seattle is banking on right is to uh, use this as a bit of a confidence boost right uh speaking of confidence boosts uh how about the nhl telling betters that they want ryan reynolds uh, as a minority owner, no matter what, right? Regardless who yeah. ultimately becomes a majority owner. This is kind of interesting, right? Um, basically, NFL Ted told every group that signed a non-disclosure agreement. Uh, funny, non-disclosure, yet here we are talking about it. Uh, before entering <laughs> the process to contact Mr. Ryan Reynolds, right? Uh, they envisioned Ryan, uh, Reynolds excuse me, uh, documenting the sale of the club with his production company, Maximum Effort. Uh, the league marketing executives admit they can't buy the kind of publicity he can generate. And uh, Reynolds has importantly spent the last couple of weeks uh, talking to prospective bettors to gauge uh, their interest in his involvement. So NHL really putting a lot of stock. This isn't, this isn't a normal just transaction that the NHL is looking at, right? Normally you hear, okay, this group is buying out this group. And normally the talking points that we have now are, are okay, is the team going to be moved? Um, or is there going to be, say, a new arena being built? You know, how maybe are they going to spend to the cap kind of conversations? Never have yeah. I in recent history heard of a conversation which is they're essentially admitting that they're using this as a big marketing piece. Yeah, well, I, Ryan Reynolds is a very likable guy. Um, you know, I, I think that a lot of people really enjoy his movies. Uh, he has, I think his net worth is $150 million, last I looked, and the team is going to sell for about $670 million, So he's a little bit mm -hmm. short, obviously, little um, little. Uh, literally and figuratively. Although, I don't think he's that short. I think he's like average height. Um, anyway. I think uh, he's taller, but anyway. Yeah, um, that's a great question. Well, anything, I mean, he's but he's taller than me. So I guess that's, <laughs> I always look up no matter what. So, yeah, well, you know, things hopefully are looking up for the senators here in this regard. Uh, I think it would be a good thing. He went to the game the other day and got a standing ovation from the team and the fans and the crowd. So it sounds like, you know, everybody kind of wants him, you know, to be a part of this. And I guess, you know, you think about it in the same sense, like obviously Ryan Reynolds is not a hockey player, didn't play in the national hockey league, but you know, if Wayne Gretzky decides to be part owner of the Ottawa Senators, you know, and people enjoy that because Wayne was good at hockey and he's popular because of hockey, it's still kind of the same concept. It's just they're popular for different things. Right. Um, and I think it's really cool. I think it would be a lot of fun and I think he would bring a little bit of energy to, you know, let's be honest, most Canadian markets kind of need a little bit of a boost or are a little bit more unwilling to go out on a limb for certain things compared to other teams in the NHL, just because that's kind of how it's always been right. Hockey night sure. in Canada on Saturday. It's always for the longest time had always been the same. It always been Don Sherry and, you know, and the, and the group that had been doing things. So a change in a shakeup might be a good thing for this group. I don't know. Like I, I just kind of feel like the NHL is putting a lot more stock into the marketing aspect of Ryan Reynolds, the brand, right, and how they yeah. want to use essentially his reach uh, to sort of help promote the game. Now, granted, the NHL yeah. um, is in a distant fourth when it comes to the four major, that being, you know, MLB, uh, you know, NBA, and certainly NFL. But um, 
you know, I mean, it's, I, not, it's not going to hurt them. You no, know, like, no, yeah. it's just, it's yeah. interesting that they are going so as far as to essentially say we want him as a minority owner. Um, so for those who, when I say things are rigged, well, technically this is kind of rigged so, <laughs> in, in a very weird way. Um, so it's, it's, it's certainly an interesting sort of time. And, you know, to the senator's organization, and no disrespect to them, but they certainly could use a lot of what shall we say more positive publicity than they've had the last few years. They've kind of been a franchise that has been kind of stuck in the mud a little bit. So, I mean, I'm not yeah. saying it's a bad thing. Yeah. I just find it interesting that the NHL seems to be putting a lot of stock um, into well, Ryan Reynolds. Well, I mean, I guess basic question, if you could, you know, and no offense to the guy, but he kind of had a tumultuous ride there until the end. Uh, if you could transition from the Eugene Melnick era to, you know, Deadpool 2, are you <laughs> – are you taking it? Right. You know, so right, uh, and I'm I'm sure that's the way the NHL is looking at it. Is okay. Well, we've run out of ideas essentially to try to keep to grow the game that they think they know how to grow it. So why not bring in some celebrity muscle uh, to try to you know oppress the game forward? And they they might be onto something. We'll yeah, see. yeah. The NHL did that. I mean, LA does it all the time. Of course, they had Snoop Dogg a little bit. They had uh, <laughs> Will, Will Ferrell, and obviously, people loved it when he was up in the press box. So there, there is some weight to that. Obviously, I think, mm-hmm. but I think it would be fun nonetheless, and uh, we might see some uh, 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 themed nights <laughs> uh, at uh, what is their Canadian Tire Center? Is that what it is now? Canadian Tire Center. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I always have the names of what they used to be when I was a kid stuck in my head. So I always have to think mm-hmm. an extra second on the arenas. But what I do know is the Toronto Maple Leafs, Nick, they've been around for a while. Um, they have. The Stanley Cup thing has been a while for them too. But regardless, somebody <laughs> trying to trying to work towards that. Mitch Marner uh, broke a Maple Leafs record this past week with a 19-game point streak. It's now at 22 games after he tallied a point yesterday I on Saturday. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I I would say that he's well worth his contract, which it's interesting yeah. when you say eleven and a half million dollars. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, he's lived up to that for sure. Uh, Daryl Sittler, Eddie Olchek previously shared the record at eighteen games. Eddie Olchek quietly had a really good career, actually, even as a Maple Leaf too. So I don't think that he did. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that people recognize so some of these people that we see as broadcasters and analysts, especially for me because I'm obviously you know of a little bit younger generation. Is that I grew up with these guys solely as broadcasters commentators when you realize that they were a lot of these guys were really good nhlers um Mm -hmm. so speaking of someone who is now a really good nhler tage thompson uh 41 points 41 points for him this season already did you know Connor mcdavid has 54 points in 28 games isn't that ridiculous that's absurd um so tage thompson i don't even think he's top 10 i think he's like 11 right now if i'm not mistaken which is top he's top 20 regardless Uh, which is unbelievable but, he, but that's the thing is for Tage Thompson, and I know you'll get to it, um, seems to be coming in chunks. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, he's certainly – yeah, he's just a different player, and he's a big rangy player that has a lot of skill, which is something we haven't seen in a long time, especially on the forward side of things. Maybe goal, like a Lindros comparison minus the physicality? Yeah. He's a big boy, though. I he mean, is, he's – Yeah. Yeah, he's a tall – I mean, he's he makes me look short, which is – not many people do that. I don't say that to, you know, to my own horn. It's just there's not many people that I look that I go, holy crap. Like they're like you're a shade taller than me for sure. Like it's obvious. So how's um, it feel? How's it feel? <laughs> we did have well, we had a sport. Actually, we had a sports writer. He actually listens to the show, Matthew Semich, who uh, used to cover Nebraska Omaha, um, and is now in my hometown here in Botano. A great sports writer. Actually, just um, had surgery recently, so wishing him the best of luck. Um, but uh, his brother 
also played for the Miami Dolphins as well. But he's oh. six, he's six eleven. So oh, I remember I remember he would always come up and do our do our interviews. And of course he had to duck to get underneath all the hallways in the locker rooms to come in and, and do our interviews, of course. But a fantastic sports writer does, writes for USCHO too. So if you ever get a chance to kind of check out some of his stuff, he does some really great work. Although uh, I'm sure he was uh, keenly interested a five goal game for the aforementioned Tage Thompson yeah. uh, in a nine, four win over Columbus the other night, 25 years of age in case you forgot uh, Sabres single game record with his handful of tallies shocker, right? Um, actually another Saber has done this though. Dave Andrzejczyk, uh 1986 uh, hit this mark of five goals in a game. Also set a new team mark for points in a period with the four that he collected in the opening frame. Of course, they were all goals. Um, it took him 16 minutes and 40 seconds. The second fastest four goal effort to begin a game in league history. Last time it was done, <laughs> Joe Malone, 1921 for the Hamilton Tigers, which last time I checked, I think they play football now. Um <laughs> Yeah. Tage Thompson's uh, four first period markers also tied an NHL record for goals in a single frame. Um, the fourth player ever to do so in an opening period. And his five goals were the second most ever in a road contest. Of course, Red Berenson collected six in Philly while playing for St. Louis back in 1968 in their inaugural season. Of course, for those who don't remember, Red Berenson, longtime coach at Michigan for 33 years, 848 wins, 1,366 games, 36 NCAA tournament appearances, and two national Average. championships. So those 36 NCAA tournament appearances, you go, wait a minute, he only coached for 33 years. He was also a player and also had those appearances mm -hmm. as well, and also coached in the NHL for a little bit as a cup of coffee, I think. So uh yeah, what a performance by Tage Thompson. I mean, the, what he continues to do, and he makes it look so easy, and he looks so calm. Is it safe to say that his contract, 7x7, seven seven, is looking like a bargain and a half right now for Buffalo? Almost a double bargain, honestly. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's interesting. We talk about how players contrast themselves, right? I mean, we, we talked about Shane Wright earlier and the potential, right? Tage Thompson was not that long ago sort of in the same boat as Shane Wright is, where you, you saw yeah. the tools, you saw the skill, we just never really seem to, you know, all come together for him. And it's just whatever reason, players just find that spark. I mean, look at New Jersey, Jack Hughes, uh, not that long ago. Also, uh, you just see it. You just love to see when you have the players that showcase that talent here and there. And you're just like, man, if they can just only do that, you know, night in, night out. And Tage Thompson, yeah. um, again, wasn't Tage Thompson part of that big Rhino Riley trade, I believe? Yep. Yep, yep, he was. Okay. And, every, and everyone talked about, because of course he was, I believe, U.S. development team uh, for a couple of years. Yes. And everyone talked about, you know, he had all this potential, but really hadn't found a way to unlock it. Well, mm -hmm. uh, somebody found Pandora's box and they weren't afraid to open it, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> and it's and it stuck around too. So happy to see it happy. And again, like the one thing that makes him a bit unique, again, his size, right, for, for a big dude. Isn't he like 6'6", six, 6'7"? Six, six, yeah, I think he's like 6'6 six, six or something like that. Uh, so. Yeah, big dude. And he, he, he looks like he's skating like he's what 511 uh just the way he moves the way that he stick handles and oh boy um would you imagine trying to block his one timer no thanks yeah <laughs> no Yikes. thanks he's got quite the cannon of a shot yeah certainly uh would agree and he's having a very productive season uh for those who are curious by the way at least as of recording of course the the, the point streak snap for Kirill Kaprizov was the second yeah. longest active uh, streak behind Mitch Marner in the NHL so far he actually sits around 10th uh in terms of 
total points on the season. So I mm-hmm. uh, maybe maybe Tage is up there in the top ten. I don't remember. I but it was it was interesting to see the gap between him and Connor McDavid and Tage Thompson's having an otherworldly season for yes, the Sabers, who look very good in their their alternate black jerseys. By the way, I must say the goat head. Yep. Yeah, certainly. Uh, last topic here: injuries. Uh, good news on the injury front. Chris Letang returning to the ice this past week led uh, the team in ice time after his stroke a week ago playing the Sabers. So wishing him the best of luck. Sounds like hopefully he's cleared and ready to go. Maple Leafs losing another body. Nick Robertson, six to eight weeks with a shoulder injury. Yeah, he just can't catch a break in the injury bug either. Uh, Colorado, Nathan McKinnon will miss approximately a month with an upper body injury. And Montreal's Brendan Gallagher is out two weeks with a lower body injury. And welcome in to episode number 141 here on the Huskies Warming House podcast. Nick Maxson joining myself, Noah Grant, here on this Sunday, December 11th. Excited to have you all with us. Uh, This is our second to last show of the calendar year. Why, you ask? Well, because Christmas. Um, (laughs) So uh, to kind of give folks kind of a rundown of what's going to be going on here, obviously we're doing the show today as normal, Um, although we we have a lot of scores to recap, but next week we don't have really many to go through. So I think it should be a little bit more of a fun episode. So as far as next week's show, tomorrow, um, or whenever you're listening to this, on Monday at some point, I'm going to throw out a poll thread thing on Twitter. What it, not a poll, whatever it, it would be, a thread comment thing on Twitter. And uh, we want to hear your fan questions. We're going to go through a fan uh, question episode and really talk through all things. Uh, ask us about the wild St. Cloud state, really whatever you want. And if it's appropriate, we'll definitely throw it out there. We'll try to get to as many or all of them as we can. I'm sure we'll get through them, but uh, so we'll throw that out uh, coming up on the 12th, December 12th. And then the episode will be Sunday, December 18th. So the question uh, grouping will close I probably on the 18th at 10 a.m. right when we start uh, recording the show. So uh, if you have a question about Huskies hockey or seven of them, like Caleb usually does, uh, we'll, we'll definitely uh, walk through that. And then, of course, the following Sunday is Christmas. Actually, that Sunday is Christmas Day, so we're going to take that Sunday off. So we'll actually be off after the episode on the 18th, and we'll come back right on New Year's Day, January 1st of 2023 to get you prepped and rolling for the second half. Of course, men's hockey will play an exhibition game against Manitoba December 30th, so we will have Mm -hmm. a contest to take a look at in women's hockey and men's hockey, both back in action the following weekend, January 6th and 7th. Uh, Nick, before we start with NCAA hockey, did you happen to to get a look at this? I actually... uh, Somehow came across this. I think it was uh, on the bench, the YouTube uh, channel, uh, the the guys, uh, Ollie and Jacob, that kind of do some uh, goofy stuff, essentially. And that was kind of their claim to fame. They're big Flames fans. Yeah. Uh, this was in Littleton, Colorado. Uh, a, a teenager was during a JV game at Denver East. Um, and one of the players, uh, they were on a five-on-three power play. And the only defenseman on the ice essentially went to the corner with this player uh, and get, they both got tangled up and fell. And then when one of the kids tried to tried to get up, the player stepped on his stick and then he kicked him three times in the face. Jesus. Yeah. And the kid's like 15. Uh, cool. And uh, the victim is Xander Keenan. Um, he had some bruising, but he's okay. Um, Thank gosh, my God, you know, and that's the thing, of course. So he, he ended up, uh, cite, getting cited for assault. And I think it sounds like he might get a lifetime ban, uh, 
for hockey, at least in Colorado here. And I know that the on the bench guys felt kind of bad about that because they're like, well, did we do good or did we not? Because on the one hand, we want to promote that this is not, you know, this is not part of the game. You can't kick people. It's, you know, it's just not cool. But at the same time, he also believes that people can grow and learn from that and move on from things like that. And he felt bad that because, you know, this video went viral and he was kind of a part of that, that, you know, maybe he influenced kind of ending this kid's career in some senses and not giving them that, that opportunity to kind of move past it. Because if it hadn't become a viral video, it probably would have moved on, you know, and, and been handled. I, I, can, mm. I can kind of see it both ways. Now, number one, let's clarify. You can't kick people in the head, especially repeatedly. Like that's, you know, that's just not part of the game. Like there's no hockey player that ever goes through that plays the game the right way and says, Oh, I'm going to kick you in the head now. Like that's never that's never even remotely crossed my mind as something to do. Kicking somebody, stepping on them, anything mm-hmm. involving your skates. It's just not a slew footing people even, you know, to a lesser sure. extent. Uh but I mean, how, how do you how do you kind of see this? So, I think I share the shall we say maybe the old man view of it. And that is First of all, what in the absolute hell are you doing kicking somebody with your skate? And yeah. the fact that he only has bruises is lucky. Um, yeah. You and I have both covered stories on this podcast of inadvertent, uh, you know, skates where it's cutting skin. And it's it's I mean, it's it's a potentially lethal scenario. Yeah. Imagine if that skate cuts an artery or one of your big veins in your neck. He's. He's out of luck in 30 seconds. Yeah, it it sounds like, and from what you can see, there is video of it online, so you definitely can look it up. But it seems like probably, I'm assuming he's kicking him with the top of the toe cap. Uh, you know, on yeah, the top. it's still it's, it's, it's incredibly dangerous play. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. I think I'm right. just trying just trying to show people that you know he's not he doesn't have his foot rolled over and he's not like pushing from the bottom of his skate towards somebody. Like he's kicking. I like. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that, but still, I I just it's yeah. not. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not like trying to detract. I'm just trying to t- give people right. a visual about what what to look at. Because because I think when you say kicking, the mind re- like goes to oh, like is I he stepping it. on somebody? Well, oh, I think I it was it. more like a soccer kick kind of thing. So just so people kind of have that, you know, in there. It's. I mean, and imagine say he on the follow through miss. Like say he misses in the follow through, he comes up and cuts. Somebody, yeah, yeah, right? certainly. So, yeah. Um, I don't really think that the the folks who showcase the video should have any blame on this at all i get where they're coming from but at the end of the day the idiot knucklehead who decides to kick a hockey player step on a stick i mean granted again this is probably a side thing but when your sticks are not costing you 350 freaking dollars a pop right yeah um especially you know something i mean that's that stick is done right um there's just to me if, if you don't want to face the consequences of your action like that, then don't do it. Right. And yeah. don't tell me that even at 15, you don't know that that's just not okay. And that yeah. you could have inflicted incredibly, you know, much worse damage. And, you know, you, you don't want to play though, you know, what if game, but in this, in this scenario that what if could be very, very, very bad. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. Kind of ran across it this week and figured we'd at least throw it in. Viewers, obviously, take a look. You know, like I said, I'm not advocating for the kid to return or anything like that. I Like, I, I agree with you. It was incredibly stupid and dangerous and, and unnecessary. Like I said, it, you know, it's right. it's one thing. I mean, we've seen it where 
we've had line brawls and people come across the ice and, you know, hit somebody after a line brawl or they cross check them. And like, not to say that that that's obviously not cool either. And we don't advocate for that, but in the mind of a hockey player, you can kind of put yourself in that situation. You can see moments where you get frustrated and you kind of give somebody a shot with a cross check. You can at least kind of see it here. It's like, you have to be very intentional about what you're doing in this situation. If you're going to kick somebody. So certainly not advocating for that. And uh, we'll follow the story. And if there's anything new, we'll obviously let our listeners know, I think. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And again, you know, does he deserve a lifetime ban? I don't, I don't know. I, I would yeah. say no less than a year for sure. Yeah, certainly. Um, and you, you kind of wonder. I mean, I, throughout I, the year, right? I you know? hate to, I hate to say it, like you know, not to not to take anything away because obviously we want people to enjoy the game, but like you know, he's playing JV hockey in Colorado. Like my thought is, he's probably not. No, I get it, but you know, you know like, but but then we get then we just open up the bigger question, right? You no know, sports do you provide an outlet, you know, yeah. a positive outlet for a lot of youth, and you know, and, and you know, you kind of wonder if if just maybe the the Colorado High School League or whatever that made that decision, the governing body um, looked at it as just like, my gosh, you know, is it a liability issue, and that's it? That's why the left hand, and I can imagine so, right? Yeah, because I would think at fifteen. Yeah, emotions are there, right? There's there's definitely some things that are happening. And like I said, frustrations boil over. Um, I mean, yeah. how many that, times have we seen it here in you know, minutes of the high school hockey? But yeah. not that's again that, when you're kicking something, that's a different that's a different animal. That age is a tough one. Um I, I, I remember actually quite a bit the one year that I ended up officiating, I actually that age was very prone to actually U nineteen girls hockey um and a lot of girls that end up pulling hair that end up grabbing people yeah. by the ponytails and pulling them down so you know there's certainly actions that i think uh you know we don't want to think about as being part of the game but when you have that emotional flux that goes with being you know in high school and you know all the hormone imbalance let's be honest and obviously you're right. pay- playing a competitive sport with knives in your feet and a club yeah. in your hand like it's yeah you know it's pretty easy to get pretty riled up so uh you know it's almost like the Huskies Warming House podcast, but not that tense. You know what I mean? Um, sure. No. <laughs> anyway, uh, college hockey, uh, no clarity again. <laughs> oh, we do have some clarity, though. Um, we do. We do. If Well, if you're Max Veach, you are now clear that bad losses uh, affect you a lot. Like there's a lot more movement there than good than you know, than good wins. I think I, that's that's, I, what, that's what I it. have been dying. I can't wait. And I'm so excited that both these series are in the second half for MNCAA. I can't wait to talk to him. I love it every week. He's like, what's with the polling? What's with the pairwise? You want to know what it is, Max? The Bulldogs suck. OK, <laughs> that's what they're not is. great. Um but you know, here's the thing: the national polling, the national pairwise are not great, but yet they're still in the thick of it in the NCHC. Yeah. That's the thing. You know, they still have an, they still have an outlet to make it happen. That's and that's. I'm not sure if that's the scarier part or the fact that they've been just not great for the first half, but yet there's still an avenue for them. Like they're not are, out of the picture yet. They really are. We aren't. Su- are we surprised? No, no, <laughs> because they've always been the most lethal second half of the season right they just that's when they seem to make it come together we saw this last year you know what's um, interesting i uh, i pulled this up for one of our tweets when we were talking about the miami loss which we'll obviously get to but you know you look at recent national championships some of their losses against teams that are below you know like 25 in the standings and the pairwise actually that 2018 team for duluth 
Uh, Miami at 30, Bemidji at 31, tying with Merrimack and Dartmouth at 38 and 42, respectively. So mm-hmm. uh, you never really can count these guys out. <laughs> no, and, you know, for Huskies fans, who we, I know we'll talk about them more in depth here shortly, yeah. but uh, shall we say, yeah, that second loss to Miami was hurtful. But again, you're never going to, in college hockey, have a blemish-free yeah. uh, season. You're just not. Yeah, every, every team has had it. Uh, Denver uh, last year had a bunch of teams in like the mid-20s that I wasn't mm-hmm. able to include, but BC at 28, Alaska Fairbanks tying them at 30. Uh, UMass, the year that they beat the Huskies, lost to Merrimack at 38. Duluth, mm-hmm. the year before, lost to the under-18 team and had a couple of mid-20 losses. Denver in 17 had two ties with Miami at number 31. So mm-hmm. certainly like it's not going to be perfect. You know, it's no. it's just not... But you know the Huskies, obviously they're gonna they're gonna be in an okay spot here still, I think. But we'll get to them obviously in a second. Recapping the rest of college hockey, starting with the Big Ten as we usually do. Penn State traveling to Notre Dame. It was a split each way: five two for Penn State, five three for Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame just a very five hundred team. They're just split after split after split after split on the weekend. So yeah, yeah kind of just haven't really been able to throw wins together. Yeah, just really haven't yeah. found a whole lot of consistent traction for them. Uh Michigan, Michigan State, the Spartans winning two to one on Friday night and Michigan winning two to one on Saturday. So a very good matchup. Pretty much I think everything we anticipated out of this one. Uh this Spartans team they're a good hockey team this year. I think it's easy they are to, good. to write them off, but they have been good this year. You know, it's is it going back to, you know, sort of that Big Ten blemish, you know, I think for a yeah. lot of fans, I think a little bit. And I think part of it is the last couple of years, it's been, you know, Minnesota, it's been Michigan in years past where they've sort of ran away with the Big Ten. And yeah. the rest of the Big Ten show, I say, was, for lack of a better phrase, just not that competitive. This year, the Big Ten is actually, I think, maybe the deepest conference all due respect to the NCHC, they're, they've yeah. got the better top-end teams this year. And that's exactly what you're looking for. Really, the last time that Michigan State – Michigan State had a couple of runs in the mid early to mid-2010s, but really the last time they were good was National Championship 2008, Justin Abdelkader, yep. right, uh, that time. So, obviously – and then, of course, before that, Ryan Miller, obviously, uh, in that regard back in the early – 2000s uh in those games mm-hmm. obviously as well too uh wisconsin minnesota the gophers taking care of business 7-1 bit of a scare on saturday at six to four but came back and clawed with six six straight after going down two to nothing to get back in that hockey game so uh gophers continue to roll they are the next they're the huskies next pairwise opponent uh yep. so to speak coming out of break after the exhibition game so look out that should be a <laughs> oh boy that'll be a heck of a series yep. uh CCHA 2.0, which will actually be the only conference that will have conference games even next week, I believe. Uh, Mankato Mankato Bowling Green, uh, Mankato 2-1 and 6-2. They finally get the sweep uh, off their back a little bit here against the Bowling Green team that has been chasing them in the standings or has been, you know, par with them. So that's a bit of a a huge blow to it. Is it the Falcons? I think is what their mascot is. The Falcons. Bowling green. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Northern Michigan, Ferris state, Ferris state uh, winning five to two the first night. That's a big blow to the wildcats. We're looking for that, for that uh, climb. And then the same score of five to two Northern Michigan coming back in night number two and doing what they do best. 
A uh, little bit of an upset game a little bit here in the CCHA this week, though. Lake Superior State beating Bemidji on that Friday night. Big. Yeah, Second you know, overall win of the year or two for Lake State. They've had a tough year. Yeah, overtime victory for them. 3-2 to two, and then a 4-1 to one finish for Bemidji State. They did get the victory on Saturday. And this, is, and this is where we'll go back to the Huskies conversation. But there's so much parity around here. Like, it's not really that inconceivable that teams at the bottom of certain conferences – like they're going to win at some point. Like it's not, yeah. you know, like it's, it's pretty rare for teams to really just struggle so mightily that they don't pick up a handful of wins a year. Even look at Miami last year, they had like four wins or something like that last season. So, you know, this is where you obviously have to be on every night. We talked about that, but at the same time, you know, three to two an overtime loss for Bemidji state. I mean, they were up two nothing in that game too. Yeah. It's like, how bad do you sweat that one? They moved on the next night, right? Like, well, you have to, right? That you don't have a choice if you're a player, if you're a coach. Uh, obviously, you're frustrated, you're disappointed in that result, especially uh, Bemidji trying to again gain ground in the CCHA. Um, also, yeah. trying to, shall we say, improve their pairwise position, which I think they're in the mid 30s, um, if not high 20s. Yeah, um, that doesn't help. And for Huskies fans uh, that lost to Bemidji when they lose to Lake State, that's that doesn't help their cause either. Uh, since yeah. uh, you know, it's it's funny how the pairwise can, you know, sort of you know pinball you know your own ranking just based on other teams' past performances if you had previous matchups. So it's yeah, St. Cloud dropped two spots in the pairwise. They dropped down to six. So I mean, like you know, Bemidji State. You asked by the way, twenty four is where they're at after this well, that's weekend. Higher than I so, thought they would be. Um, I believe they were twenty one entering the weekend, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, they've had a, they've had a decent little run for them as of late. Uh, Lake Superior State. They're like down in like 57. Yeah, 57 out of 62. So, uh, yeah. You know who's actually been giving people fits? We'll get to them in a second. Dartmouth at 60 out of 62 has been giving people some (laughs) scares to say the least. So we'll get to that, obviously, in just a few moments. Otherwise, moving on, no games in the ECAC to talk about. But Hockey East, we had four matchups. Merrimack and UMass played on Wednesday because Hockey East. Uh, Merrimack, 2-1 to victory for them in that one. And then Merrimack had Providence on Saturday and they won three to two in that matchup. So Merrimack continues to roll. Max Veach talked a little bit in our kind of private group chat about that too. And he's like, this Merrimack team, well, uh, you know, I don't understand why they're so high and I take them in the tournament 10 out of 10. I, I don't know, man. Like they, they've given some teams, some good teams. You know, UMass is a decent team. Providence is a decent team. Providence you know? is decent. Uh, they're 13 and four. Uh, they're third in the paralyzed now uh, for yeah. those who are, for those who are wondering. So, uh, I, I don't know. I just feel like I think it, it, I think it's easy to look at like these teams in the East that historically haven't been good and say, oh, I would take them all day long. But like teams can be good, like they're allowed to be good just because they're not in the NCH or the Big Ten, you know, and they're not BC or BU. Right. Like, yeah. And it's it's it goes to that East Coast versus West Coast style, I think, you know, a yeah. little bit where, you know, the West Coast and Midwest style, a lot more physical, a lot more heavy hitting type style, a lot more grinding where obviously East Coast style, a little bit more possession, a little bit more freewheeling per se, freewheeling, I should say for those yeah. teams, freewheeling, what the hell? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, no, that's, 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 I, I think that's maybe what he was trying to say, but still Merrimack, uh, when you can beat Providence, and as you mentioned, a few of those other um, better teams out East, they've earned that spot 
at number three. Maybe they'll finish second in the pairwise and get Duluth, who sneaks in for conference wins at 15. Um, There's anyway, no way in hell, but okay. Uh, that would be unreal. Uh, anyway, <laughs> speaking of BU and BC, the aforementioned groups here played on Friday. Uh, nine to six was the finish here. BC getting Jesus. the victory. Uh, <laughs> talking about uh, free willy, free wheeling. Um, yeah. <laughs> so 15 goals in that contest. And then BU will travel to UConn today on Sunday. So that will be the other one that we'll keep an eye on. Atlantic Hockey, Niagara traveling to AIC Thursday, Friday. How about this, Nick? A 0-0 overtime finish in which Niagara won in a shootout. Good thing you paid good money wow. for that hockey game, huh? <laughs> you know, it. <laughs> growing up watching the Wild, and it's like during its inception, you know, early 2000s, when they literally had no offense. My first, So as a kid, right, my I went to one of the first games in, in Wild history in November. It was against the Anaheim Mighty Ducks at the time. <laughs> Um, as a kid, right, you just want to hear the damn goal horn. It was a zero-zero yeah. tie. <laughs> you know what? And, yeah. Well, actually, no. It was zero-zero, and then it was, I think, Paul Korea that scored the overtime winner. So I never got. It was a one-nothing game, and there are certain games, and I know you've you've probably played in these, where there's some zero-zero games that have a lot of action. Yeah. That have you know a lot of scoring chances, goaltenders goal staying on their duel. heads, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's what the case was here. Um, are hard to know, but some are boring and some can be kind of exciting i don't know but that's that's why they actually play the goal horn every time the wild come out on the ice because of that specific reason um and because it sounds cool uh funny enough i'm glad you mentioned that so it must have been, it was the it was the paul fenton era it was the one year that paul fenton was in charge uh whatever that was 29 2019 19. Yeah. yeah so it was december 2019 i went and saw the wild play san jose they played Dallas, and then uh, in the spring of that year, during spring break, I, they played San Jose again, okay? The Wild got shut out against San Jose at home. Jeez. They lost with like nine seconds in overtime to Dallas, and they lost two to one, and the only goal they scored was with like a minute remaining to tie that Garbage. hockey game. Yeah. Yep. And uh, then when they played San Jose in the spring, they got shut out again. <laughs> and that and that was the game that Logan Couture caught that puck uh, and was offside, but then got a penalty shot and they already took the shot. So they couldn't bring the penalty shot back because they had already yeah. taken the shot. It was already the next play or whatever. So, yeah, I spent probably a good five hundred dollars to watch the Wild score one goal in three games. So, like, Jeez. I I feel your pain. <laughs> I always feel like I'm like, do I go to a Wild game? And it's funny. The other game that we went to in college, we ended up getting one of those ticket packages when we were playing in college yeah. and going through. They were playing New Jersey. They lost like. Four to two to New Jersey, and I think if I remember right, there was like twenty-two combined shots between both teams or something. It was like one of the lowest the shooting Lamera games. Coaching both, <laughs> yeah. Jeez, I mean, it was just—it was just like, are you kidding me? So, like, and of course, my cousin, who you know is you know likes hockey, but you know isn't a hockey player, isn't like you know in deep like we are kind of thing. He casually went to one game a couple years ago against Carolina. It was when the Wild scored the fastest four goals in a sequence in franchise history. (laughs) I'm like, are you shitting me? Like, come on. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, it you never really makes you feel better. Went to opening night against the Rangers this year. And shall we say one of the teams lit up the scoreboard? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The three goals in the in the first like the first 10 minutes, I think the Rangers had a power play goal then a couple more. It was it was ugly. It was not good for wild fans. I mean, at least at least you got to see a lot of goals, I guess, in some respect. Funny enough, that's probably the only game that the Rangers actually have scored a ton of goals. They've had a weird season. Yeah, they, they came after. I mean, their first two weeks, they were 
uh, pegged by a lot of folks that I think thought that they were going to continue to have the success they enjoyed, you know, after last year, and they've just fallen apart. Yeah, well, weird. yeah, well, you know, it just feels like you you want to punch something, right, Jacob Truba? Anyway, uh, or or throw your helmet. <laughs> or, uh, yeah. Four to one AIC in night number two, by the way, for a split on the weekend against Niagara. Um, there were five goals in that game, which is more than zero plus a shootout. Uh, speaking of a lot of goals, the Alaska schools met up in Fairbanks this past week, and Fairbanks uh, said thank you very much, outscoring their opponent 12 to four over the weekend, five two and seven two, respectively. Uh, UMass Lowell traveled to Dartmouth on Friday, barely escaping with a win here, Nick, three to two on Friday. And then Arizona State traveled to New Hampshire, a four to one victory for the Sun Devils in the first game but that unh a five to four overtime victory in That's night huge. number two so yeah remember when unh was a powerhouse back in the early yeah. 2000s they were huge maine was huge that was fun that was a good time and of course that was the the era of the silk jerseys too as well yeah. too yeah that was those look nice uh nostalgia yeah <laughs> What's on tap here uh, as far as college hockey? We only have, I think there's only about 10, maybe nine total matchups overall in college hockey. So we won't have much to get through next week. The main ones we pay attention to, we have got, I believe, six that we're going to look at here. Ohio State has Bowling Green and some non-conference CCHA Big Ten action. Uh, Other teams in action, Bemidji State, Mankato, Thursday, Friday, Michigan Tech, Lake Superior State, Ferris State, St. Thomas. So that means there is only... Uh, there's only one CCHA team that is off. I believe it's Northern Michigan. It'll be the only team that'll be off uh, coming up for the holiday break here. Uh, not no ace. No, excuse me. Well, no ECAC hockey East or Atlantic hockey to talk about. We have two independent games going on here. Alaska Fairbanks will travel to Anchorage now for mm-hmm. a non-conference matchup this upcoming week. I like that. The Alaska schools around the holiday break uh, facing each other back to back. That's cool. I like that. Uh, and then Northeastern will travel to Long Island on Sunday of that week for a non-conference matchup. So, yeah, we'll recap, obviously, the very abbreviated recap as we get to our fan questions, which surely will involve the next round of participants here. Oh, yeah. uh, NCHC roundup here. Duluth uh, hosted Denver, uh, the defending national champions coming to town. And as Caleb Peabody alluded to, where was the attendance, oh, which is I think it's funny. He just yeah. loves he yeah. loves to razz him. I love it. Okay. Uh, Denver, a pair of overtime victories for them. 3-2, 4-3. The dogs picking up points, but just can't quite get over the hump. You know, we talk about this Duluth team saying that, you know, they're not the greatest. They had an okay showing against Denver. You say yep. what you want about the officiating. I think there was a lot of frustration yes, uh, there was. on Friday about the officiating. But I, I always think about it this way. You know, officiating notwithstanding, you still got to play the game. Huskies fans learned that the hard way on Saturday. You still got to take care of business uh, and play. You're still on the same ice sheet, you know, and you still kind of have some control over your destiny a little bit. Uh, Is there some adversity? Yeah. But, you know, Duluth talks about being robbed of so many pairwise points. Well, at what point does a trend become a habit? Well, at one point, I mean, do 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 you hate the player or you hate the game, right? I mean, yeah, seriously ser- seriously unless you're unless you're watching our podcast then you hate everything about us right like exactly. i but i mean this denver team certainly is good you know they're i would say st cloud is still up there but i would say as far as the two teams that are head and shoulders above everybody else i think it's denver from the nchc and minnesota from yep. the big 10 those are the two teams that i look at that i go i wouldn't want them at any point this year right st cloud you'll take them in a one-off right now i think i think they st- there's still some growth to do i think they'll be just fine uh demons of years past notwithstanding i think they'll be fine but i don't think that you know 
they're they're kind of they they had their hands on the uh, on the pedestal uh, so to speak there mm-hmm. and they're getting ready to climb up and they're looking up at Denver and Minnesota that are standing together at the number one spot. I think that's kind of how I would phrase it right now is they're right there, but they're just not quite, uh, you know, there, which is, it's crazy to think about. We talked about this North or this St. Cloud team and we talk, we're talking about, you know, finishing number one in the pairwise. We're talking about winning the Penrose. Like, think about that. We picked this team to finish fourth this year in the mm-hmm. NCHC. So it certainly has been a really good growth. How about uh, a team that we finished uh, pick, finished seventh and sixth, respectively? Omaha, Colorado College, the Tigers, a sweep, six to four yeah. and one to nothing. This Tigers team, man. <laughs> we Well, it's what we had thought they would do, right? We thought that they would be on the up-up. They're right behind the Huskies at 17 points, third in the NCAC. Yeah. You know, it's it's weird because this Omaha team, too, we talked about how they could have vaulted in the standings, too, and they played a little bit of spoiler, this Mavs team. I love mm-hmm. it. You know, like, I love seeing Omaha be successful. I love seeing CC be successful. I'd like to see Miami be successful. It's weird. Miami has this weird vibe around them. I don't know if it's because of the 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 stuff with the Blackhawks a couple years ago or the fact that, you know, Chris Chris Bergeron just seems to be like dwelling in purgatory a little bit right now with that program. I don't know if they just have a different aura, um, but I would love to see them get back. Obviously they were, well, let's be honest, less than a minute away from taking home a national championship, you know, back in, back in, what is it? 2013. Is that right? That sounds right. Maybe it was 2009. I can't remember. But anyway, uh, regardless of that, uh, like that program just has really, Put in a in a weird spot. Western Michigan too, having success at the national level for the first time last year and getting their first uh, win in NCAA tournament history. So you know, I love to see the chaos a little bit here. Obviously, obviously, we want the Huskies to do well, but Denver has really been kind of the only surefire. Like, yep, you know, hammer that nail into the wall atop the standings somewhere. You know, and they're mm-hmm. going to be just fine. So St. Cloud really has their own destiny in their hands as they approach the second half. Of course. Team they mm-hmm. played last weekend, North Dakota, traveling to Western Michigan, and they escaped with a couple of key victories here, three to two in a shootout, and three to nothing. They kind of bought themselves a little bit of time here, at least to kind of sort things out over the holiday break. Western Michigan yeah. is kind of faltering a little bit here. They've yeah, had a yeah. they've had a tough little run here. Certainly, the schedule has not been easy, but uh, the Broncos have uh, had a really tough stretch of games here as they approach the holiday break. St. Cloud. Saved all their goals for night number one, seven to three victory on yep. Friday night. And Miami storming back, actually outscoring the Huskies over the weekend, if you want to be technical about yeah. it. Uh, five to nothing finish for an eight seven margin over the weekend uh, for night number two. Friday's contest, like we mentioned, seven to three. Three goals in the first for the Huskies, one in the second, three in the third. Miami's all three tallies came in period number two. It was actually four to three entering period number three. So it wasn't exactly a cut and dry, you know, game, so to speak, for the Huskies. No, it was not. Um, who did outshoot Miami by a plus eight margin, 29-21. Uh, power play opportunities. Uh, Huskies were three for four on the power play at night number one. Miami was one for five. Uh, as far as the faceoff percentage, 53.6% for this Huskies team, winning 37 draws on 69 total attempts. Getting the soaring started, what a great season he's had on the power play. Dylan Anhorn, his fourth of the season from Adam Ingram and Kyler Kupka, less than a minute into that hockey game. And then by the three-minute mark, Yami Kranila had his ninth of the season from Anhorn and Zach Okabe. And then Dylan Anhorn, a two-goal first period. This one coming at four-on-four. Yeah. yeah, from Yami Kranila and Vieti Mietnin. And this was all before the eight-minute mark uh, of period number one. So the Huskies look to be in a really great spot. And then Miami, you know what? This Miami team, Nick, we'll, we'll kind of get to this, but 
they have kind of developed a knack this season for flurries of goals at certain points yeah. where they've gone up two nothing, three nothing, or clawed back in games. Like they're not a team that I would count out uh, in any hockey game because they seem to surprise people. And that's the big difference we noticed from them. Uh, compared to last year, right, is that they're not – I mean, you, you could see it last year, and I think even the year before that, right, Noel, which is you had where they would get down early. And let's just talk the series last February uh, up in St. Cloud, right, where they, yeah. for all you know, due respect, they got pummeled, right? Yeah, they, and you they, could, they packed it in, basically. They packed it in. You, you could yeah. see it. Um, and, you know, as a, as a fan of the game and as, you know, someone who's been on, you know, in that situation too, you can see the players – look like they had mailed it in, right? That was, it didn't make those wins fun, right? Regardless of the score, right? It, you kind of felt bad for them. This year, they're getting down early and they're not doing that. They're actually going, okay, well, we need to wake up. Our starts are crap, but they're not going away. And they've been able, like you've mentioned, to keep things interesting. And I think for Huskies fans, and I, and I know that, you know, the world is on fire as we speak, according to many in the, the Twitter sphere, um, you know, it, it, it was like, what, what are the Huskies doing? I'm not sure if it was completely the Huskies pulling off the gas. I think you can maybe argue that a little bit, but Miami also just isn't going away this year. And that's yeah. actually a good thing to see. You know, and they, they have the goaltending. That's the one thing that's, is like, yes. we, we, we talk about this. doesn't matter where you are, like beer league, especially, for example, if you have goaltending to keep you in a game, anything can happen. Yep. Um, so uh, as far as Miami, uh, timely goals, 26 seconds into the period. And with 13 seconds left in the period, John Waldron, uh, a hat trick for him, four, yeah. five and six in the middle frame, uh, encapsulated with Vieti Mietin making it 4-1 from Andre Trebal and Zach Okabe. Um, his... Hatcher goal was actually unassisted there, and it was 4-3 entering period number three, and the Huskies took control. Two power play markers from Kyler Kupka and Zach Okabe. Yami Kranila scoring again in the middle of that. Vieti Miatnin, a multi-assist game for him. Adam Ingram, a multi-assist game for him. Yami Kranila had, uh, I believe, four points. That three. sounds right. Mm-hmm. Four. It is four, yeah. Uh, and then uh, Jack Peart, the other assist with Grant Cruikshank, who was a little bit quiet this weekend. You know, and, and we talked about this, right, Noah, or at least, yeah. you know, it's uh, he has been phenomenal. Um, and dare we say that Zach Okabe has had the quietest 12 goal campaign for the first half? Yeah, like one of the quietest, even though we give him so much praise here in the podcast. I don't think he's really getting enough national attention and, for how good he's been so far. And that's a good thing, too. And you wonder, you know, and that's the expectation is Grant Cruikshank has been on another, another level. So him getting yeah. one point in that hockey game, like it feels like, oh, my gosh, like, no, he's still at a point. Like if you're a point per game player at any level, you're a good player. Um, and you're going to have those nights, right? Yeah. Have, yeah. And, and I'm assuming that they probably pegged him and looked said and looked at that lineup card and said, Hey, we've got to make sure we're watching him and we're, you know, attentive to him. And mm -hmm. that allows room for a guy like Zach Okabe to kind of play wingman a little bit and be able to tack on those points and tack on those goals. So, you know, that's the thing that makes good teams great is when you have a player who's kind of getting shadowed a little bit, or you have a player who maybe goes into a, a tiny little bit of a slump. You have this ebb and flow of guys that kind of, it's almost like a juggling act where like, each time you juggle, a new player steps to the forefront. Then when he kind of comes back down to earth, the next one is there. And you're just kind of like rotating through guys that are stepping up on the big stage. Sometimes it's a goaltender. Sometimes it's a defenseman with a great defensive effort that night. You know, but regardless of what it is, I think the Huskies, like you mentioned, a guy like Zach Okabe has really benefited from being a top six, top line guy, but not having the sole pressure on him or like Yami Krenel. Like Grant Cruikshank has alleviated a lot of that pressure and made the – 
the responsibility kind of spread out among the masses, so to speak, in the top six, if that makes sense? No, it does. And, and you know, from a from an opposing coach's perspective, right? You no, know, that means that if you are going to shadow like a Grant Crookshank, that tells you that, well, you 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 got so many other weapons you got to worry about, right? I think in years past, especially last year, right? Uh, Kevin Fitzgerald was having an unbelievable year. But yeah, beyond them, I mean, Brodzinski, um, I think all of us were sort of disappointed on the production lack thereof that he had yeah. um so when you're getting that top six production right that balance that depth right um this is a big reason why the huskies have been as successful as they have been offensively is that yeah. if you take away one guy there's another one like you said that benefits from that extra bit of open ice um or even so as a def- you know as an opposing coach if you put out your best checking line you still have another line maybe two to worry about right so you're not yeah. always going to get that matchup regardless if you're home and you have that last change or you're on the road right it just gives um, the opposing you know team just more to think about more to have to worry about so you know it's a, it's a tough Saturday result we'll get to that shortly I know but it also should quietly give Huskies fans you know some calm that you know these things will happen you're gonna have tough nights and again Miami isn't going away which is again great to see from a competitive standpoint but this Husky team is going to be fine yeah, identical save percentages for both Husky netminders uh, coming into the contest uh, at the end of the weekend, actually. Low mm-hmm. shot margins for each. Jackson Castor, night number, night number one, 15 for 18 saves. Dominic Bassey, 20 of 24 on night number two. Both goaltenders and 833 save percentage both nights. First night, Ludwig Pearson, a 682 save percentage and responded with a 1.0 yep. <laughs> in the second night. So uh, 5 nothing finish for Miami. Uh, they finished with four power play goals, three of them coming on that major penalty uh, yep. to Brendan Bushy, uh, Waldron telling another goal uh, this weekend, and then an empty netter uh, for Miami to cap off that hockey. Of course, that fourth power play goal coming when the Huskies were pressing pretty hard, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, St. Cloud had 18 shots in period number three compared to five for a 36-29 margin for them. Uh, As far as power plays, obviously Huskies, no goals and four chances. Four for seven, the Miami Redhawks were able to capitalize. Their special teams has still been effective. Uh, And as far as faceoff percentage, 56.1% for the Huskies, uh, winning 37 of 66. So uh, this... You know, I think it hurts. Let's talk about, first of all, the Brendan Bushy hit. We went back, obviously, and looked at it again just to make sure mm-hmm. our eyes didn't deceive us. It was a high hit. You know, it was warrant full of a major penalty. I mean, it was contact to the head, elbow up, you know, chicken wing, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it was the right call. Yeah. Uh, this Huskies team, uh, minus maybe garbage time at the end of the third period, let's give them, I would say for sure the Huskies played 50 minutes of solid hockey in this hockey game. Mm-hmm. And really, if they could have gotten one in, in the third period, they hit a, a post or two in, in the third period. They, they had they had chances to get back in this hockey game still. Uh, and that shows how good this team is. Uh, their power plays, both of them move the puck really well. Good puck movement. First power play had some really great chances, especially. I think Miami kind of keyed into the second one in period number three. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, St. Cloud kind of flexed their muscle a little bit in this hockey game. You look at the score and you say 5 nothing. Are you kidding me? Yeah, they had a really tough five minutes. They had a really tough time uh, on that major penalty kill, and that certainly that certainly needs to be better. We're not here to sit here and say that that like it it it, it was good because it ask, wasn't. Ask Vegas uh, how San Jose major went, right? It's yes, just, it's it's identical, um, and it's tough how you know a, a blemish like that. You know, if there's we, we've talked about this team 
what their weakness has been. If, there, if there's any been a weakness now, it's probably the PK, right? You just, that has to yeah. get cleaned up. Yeah, certainly would agree. And, you know, this is this is a team that, like I said, even when they were down, they still showed me they were dominant in period number three. Forget the two goals. Yes, they gave up a power play goal. Essentially, when they took that penalty with like four minutes left, you kind of feel mm-hmm. like, okay, the game's finally kind of over a little yep. bit. And then you tack on an empty netter. You know, they, the Huskies pushing till the end and obviously uh, giving up the empty netter. So uh, I don't know how much stock I take into this. You know, there are certainly some things we talked about, even in the North Dakota series, there are certainly things that Hus- the Huskies need to clean up where they need to make sure that they're, they're kind of stopping the bleeding a little bit and making sure mm-hmm. they're limiting the damage. And, you know, cause here's the thing, if St. Cloud keeps an opponent on the power play or in a stretch to one, maybe two goals in a given stretch or a given period, they're going to be just fine. They've had the offensive firepower. They've had the goaltending. Otherwise you can't really fault the goaltending this weekend. No. Um, you know, there's, there, there's a lot of things where if the Huskies just stay in hockey games, now they're a good enough team where they're going to probably end up on the right side of the result. If they're just in hockey games and keeping the score close or even. So, you right. know, th- this St. Cloud team uh, sits three points back. For number first, one Denver for yep. first place in the NCHC. And this is that's where we need to take perspective. In fact, Denver and St. Cloud are both 14 and four on the season. Conference mm-hmm. play eight and two versus seven and three. St. Cloud, had they won yesterday, would have been tied with Denver, but you know, for Penrose standings. And I don't actually know who would have the margin. I believe the Huskies have more. Denver would have been, right? Huskies have more goals for they both split. Okay. Uh Although St. Cloud's victory was an overtime victory, so you might be yep. right. Denver I think might the regulation win, yeah. Yep, Denver might have the have the edge. But nonetheless, this is where and I tweeted this. We're talking about the Huskies winning the Penrose this year. Right? Think about that. Yes. Does this one sting? Does it suck? Does, sure. it, does it stink to give up three in quick succession at the end of a, a second period in which otherwise you were playing an okay hockey game and now your your game plan is totally kitchen sink, running gun. You're going to give up chances. You're going to give up a power play goal at the end because you're pressing hard. Yes, but it's one game. You know, it it, mm-hmm. it, ha- it happened. You can't – like here's the thing. Besides goals for and goals against, which could come into play way down at the end of all of this, the Huskies – were outscored eight to seven on the weekend, and yet for goals against, they still sit third in the conference. The only team that has a better goals against actually is Colorado College, who has yeah. twenty-one goals against. They're still dash one goal differential, and Denver at twenty-four. The Huskies have given up twenty-five goals, and the Huskies have scored four more goals than the leading team in Denver. This St. Cloud team is good. We talked on this show about how they had to have them both. And we were kind of definitive about that, right? They had to have mm-hmm. them both. They couldn't leave any doubt going into the holiday break. Well, they split. They didn't have them both. Right. There's some doubt. This is what the 2018-19 team of years past was missing just a little bit. And this is what the team that went to a national championship game two years ago had. They mm-hmm. had blips of adversity where they had to reset and check themselves and go back to the drawing board. They've got two weeks off an exhibition game to tune things up, and a non-conference pairwise game against arguably a top two team in the country Yep, to get them prepared for a second half NCHC gauntlet. They didn't have them boast this weekend, but this could be the defining moment in this hockey team season this year. And I'm not trying to say that to create a storyline on this podcast. I say it because these blips of adversity, Bemidji State, Denver, who's a very good team. Western Michigan, who maybe looking back, maybe you should have had a sweep against potentially. I don't know. Now you've now you need to learn from it. 
it happened. Yep. Now you need to learn from it. Now you need to be better. It's there's still a lot to be played for. If if it comes down to these three or four points that end up being the difference for the Penrose, still, what a great position for St. Cloud to be in. Although you hope to God that North Dakota's not in seven. <laughs> so so let's look at this a different way, right? Um, Noah, so is the Penrose really what the Husky fans want? Is it really the Penrose, or do we no. really want the national championship? They want, right? they so. want, they want the security. But hey, hey, did you know, Nick? Should you win the Penrose, all statistics point to uh, the Huskies would get which team in the first round? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, about that. Yeah, they would. Uh, for those who are curious, uh, <clears throat> Miami Redhawks, who have a knack for uh, stringing goals together at various times. <laughs> yeah. So, and let's look at, and I'm actually going to give. David Carl, a lot of credit here, right? So David Carl, who happens to coach one of the better teams in the country in Denver, right? Um, NCAT tournament, right? I think anybody who is an honest hockey mind watching that first game uh, against Duluth, you knew that playing in that game was, shall we say, not their, not their goal. Yeah. Um, you could tell by the way that they were playing the game that they had bigger ambitions in their minds. And yeah. shall we say that I don't want to say they gave the game away. Going through ser- going through the <clears throat> motions is probably a good yeah. way to but they they definitely played a different style of play uh to give themselves an opportunity to be in their best shape for the national tournament time. So as much as there's talk about the Penrose and it's a trophy that the Huskies have won recently, right? Uh, yeah. But that's not where this team, and I don't think the fan base, really wants. I think they want a trip to Emily Arena in Tampa, Florida come April, and they want to yeah. see them play in the national championship game. You're yeah. going to have, as we've talked about before, right? You're going to have a not perfect season. And the last time the Huskies had almost a perfect season, they lost to AIC. And the team that has gone farther than any other St. Cloud team in program history was a team that really we looked at and said, eh, they're all right. You know, they didn't jump off the page. Yeah, they didn't. didn't. And Um, this, and this is the thing you look at this St. Cloud team and you look at the standings for those who are curious, Colorado college, like you mentioned in third at 17, good for them. Five, four and one in the, in the conference. I, God, I'm so excited about this Colorado college team. I, I know this is a St. Cloud podcast, but it has been so long since the tigers are good. Omaha is in fourth at 15. We picked them to be seven. So, um, Western but, Michigan at 13, Duluth at 13, they're they're in 6, North Dakota one point behind at 12, much needed points. Uh sitting there at 7. In fact, had they been swept this weekend, in fact Miami would have I believe vaulted them. They uh, would North, have. North Dakota yeah. would have been last, which is How wild. about that? Um and, and then and- to and put then, in more perspective real quick, sorry, between third place 17 points and seventh it's 12. It's one weekend so, sweep can flip so, the script. So that, that's where I'm going here. So yeah. Miami's at seven. St. Cloud, as far as having home ice, because we picked, we picked them to finish fourth, which we think is a good spot. Fourth or above is a great spot to be in the NCHC. St. Cloud has a weekend's worth of losses plus another point before they would drop out of home ice contention because Western Michigan's at 13, they're at 20. It's not the end of the world here. Would you love to be at 23? Would you love to have even gotten the tie and be at 21 or 22? Right. Absolutely. Sure. Could this game come down to be the deciding factor for the Penrose? Sure. 
But that's, like Nick said, that's not what we're talking about. I want you to look at this conference record and overall record, 8-2, and 7-3, and 14-4 and four for both clubs atop. Then you look at the conference records, 5-4-1, these smorgasbords of teams that are barely over 500. Look at the overall records for 3 down to 8, 8-9-1, eight, 8-8-2, and 10-9-1, eight, eight, and 8-10, and 7-8, and 6-10. Like, look at the definitive difference between the top two teams in the NCHC and what you would call the best of the rest. Now, does St. Cloud got to take care of business and give themselves some separation in the second half? Yes, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But this team, not only on paper, but on the ice on most given nights, is a tough out. They're a tough matchup. They're a good hockey team. Most nights, they're rolling. I'm here to right now, at this point, Nick, I'm chalking this off as a one-off that they got to learn from. Now, Mm -hmm. if they start doing what the team of last year did, where they start tumbling down the wagons, granted, COVID schedule hurt them last year, but if they start tumbling down the wagons, and I want you to put the Gopher series out of your mind unless they get trounced like 7-1 both nights. If that series is even remotely close, it's a wash because this yep. Gophers team is good. Yes. And they're susceptible to giving up goals. This might be a very wide open series. But NCHC schedule is going to be imperative. We haven't even seen Duluth yet this year. Right. You know, so we, we're going to slowly but surely trending in the right direction. And we have also not seen, I believe, Omaha this weekend or this this year well, we as well, too. Nope. Yep. And I believe they're the team that the Huskies only have once a season. It's either them or Western. I can't remember I who it is. I think it's Western. I think it's Western. You might be right. Uh, so, yeah, you kind of look at what you have for the second half. You're going to get CC again. You're going to get Omaha. You're going to get Duluth twice. You're going to get North Dakota again. You're going to get Denver again. Okay. So these are games where you have a chance in most of these hockey games but as the NCHC has also shown us, any team can win on any given night. This might be the deepest, as you mentioned, the deepest Big Ten group, also the deepest NCHC group. There is so much parity among these teams where Miami is probably a shade behind the rest of us, but try counting anybody else out, Nick. And as, you can, Mi- you can. And as Miami has shown, they can be a thorn in people's sides. Yeah. <laughs> Very, well, you know, yeah, like that's that's just it, right? You can't. It's it's good that we're in this position where we can talk and, and at, you know, and say, hey, any time that the Huskies step on the ice, they have to bring their A game. Right. Yeah. Um, because we, we've vaunted and, and lauded the how tough the NCHC schedule is just on any given year. Right. Just because of the quality yeah. of opponents. Right. As you mentioned, this is going to be a learning experience for this squad, because at the end of the day, yeah, the the PK. That hurts. Need right? some help. Yeah. Need some help. Um, you definitely don't like the the major penalty by Bushy, right? But those things happen, right? And yeah. just as the penalty kill will be talked about, I think just being able to respond to that, right? Not getting inside your own head um, and knowing that, you know, in a one-off game, you this might happen, right? You might go down a player and it's you have to be able to uh, ride through that adversity. And with a team even like Miami, who, yeah, they're down at the bottom of the NCHC, but they're still a Division One college hockey team with some decent talent on them, um, can steal a victory from you. And so yeah. you, it's partly that the Huskies got to get out of their own head a little bit and clean up a little bit on the PK. And you know what? Things happen. Think about that. They gave up four out of seven power play chances this year that ended up in a goals. They're still at mm-hmm. 80.5%, which is not terrible, you know, for the PK. And their and their power play is just a shade under 26%. So like this team 
has room for growth and they have a great foundation right now. They have a great foundation. And you look at, like you mentioned, the successes here. Goals against overall, the Huskies lead the NCHC by a mile. Uh, besides Denver, I guess, 37 goals against compared to 41 goals against overall for Denver. Next closest is CC at 50 goals against. Omaha at 52, yep. Duluth at 53, North Dakota, Miami, and Western all have 60 goals against. And besides the blip of Western at 77 goals for, Huskies are sitting second at 66, followed by North Dakota at 65, Denver 61, uh, and then a couple of teams at CC's at 47, 42 for Duluth, and 41 for Miami. So this, there's a lot of flux here, but you can definitively say that this Huskies team is good. And as we move over to the pairwise here, Nick, they're mm-hmm. sitting six. They dropped two spots. Penn State jumped over them. Denver actually is down to four because of how good Merrimack is doing. And yeah. Quinnipiac has kind of moved up a shade as well, too. So six is not a bad place to be here right now. BU's right behind them. UConn and eight, Michigan State. Wolverines, Michigan at Somehow. 10. Yeah. So UMass, Ohio, Harvard, UMass, Lowell, Providence, Tech, uh, round out your top 16, Notre Dame, Cornell, RIT, and Mankato in your top 20. It's weird. It's hard to figure out. BC's at 21. Western and North Dakota sit at 22 and 23, followed by Bemidji and ASU, who ASU has really kind of taken little baby steps back down this order right now with the losses mm-hmm. that they've had. Other NCHC teams, Miami is now at 35, so Huskies obviously keeping an eye on that one. Uh, really, you want to know the biggest adversity, I think, for this team heading into the second half? They've got Duluth four times, who's at 38 right now. Yeah. You know, like that's a group that you don't want to drop one to. Colorado College is at 41. Somehow. Yeah, so, uh, and this CC team is much better. Think about that. They're they're last for the NCHC teams in the pairwise and yet they're third in the nchc standings it's been a weird year so nick what would be before we move on to the women here what would be your advice to huskies fans who obviously have hit the panic button obviously see the box score and go are you kidding me what 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 do we say what do we say to them how do we how do we encapsulate this uh besides relax which we love to say but don't first of all get off the ledge don't jump uh (laughs) number two um so you're telling me that just to make sure we're clear that people are panicking over a 14 and 14 overall that sits second in the league in one of the toughest uh, college hockey leagues in the entire country. And people are panicking because of one loss. That's what you're telling me. I am. Oh, OK. So have you have you heard the phrase Husky <clears throat> fandom? I, I I think I've heard of it. Yes. Um, apparently it's a chronic disease. But so <laughs> uh, it, it, it has uh, I guess, uh, elements of bipolarism. Anyway, so <laughs> Ele- elements. We are the text, but we are the DSM five yeah. manual on this. Yeah, sucker. no kidding. Right. Um, here's the thing. Your first half for Huskies fans. Let's, again, this you're, you're only halfway done. You still got half of the season left. You've got some tough opponents coming up. One loss will not define your season. You still have 14 wins. You've got three other losses. Again, we talked about being 14 and four. Um, you're sitting sixth. You're in the top 10 of the college hockey rankings. You want to be in that top 10 or on the, you know, the Christmas holiday break because almost top five, almost top five. And at the end of it, as long as you keep doing what you need to do, you're going to continue to cement yourself in that top 10. Right. So you, you, again, just like how the players and the coaches themselves, they're going to forget about yesterday. They already have, right. You have to, um, Huskies fans have to understand and be like that. It's, it's going to happen. Now, Huskies fandom, the, apparently the symptoms are 
wait, hold on a second. I think I got it. Um, uh, oh, right. Um, continuing to, uh, I guess, wallow in one's misery, even though it happened 24 hours ago. Oh, got it. So what you mean is get over it. That's yeah. what it is, right? So, I mean, and I, and I say that with all due respect to Huskies fans. I really do. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it, it doesn't look great because it's, the worst team in the NCHC. Right? Really, really, I would say, I mean, it hurts NCHC wise. Really, I think the only loss the Huskies have had this year that you can definitively say, geez, they just did not play a good hockey game from start to finish was Bemidji. Yep. You know, yep. And, everything and- else, like it was 0-0 with five and a half minutes left to play in period number two last night. Yeah. So at the end of it, you know what? It's, and again, you have to be thankful that these are happening now. Yeah, and that's the other thing, right? You don't want this in February. You certainly don't want this in March. Um, you don't has, want this end of January. Right? Has that ha- has that happened in March before? It may have. <laughs> it may have. Um, so you know, you you want to be playing the right way. And again, you know, you take away the major on Saturday. I think this yeah. is an entirely different or, hockey game. Or if you keep the major and you 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 give up one. I mean, the Huskies. Right. Like I said, they could have scored at least two, if not tied that hockey game in period number three, the way they pressed. I mean, they were dominant in period number three. Uh, hopefully, Jolie Molinar is also okay, by the way, that inadvertent like knee-on-knee knee contact. Yeah. yeah, that just it just didn't look natural. So hopefully, we get some good news on him as well. But uh, one final thought, though, Noah, um, yeah. and that is at the end of it, you know what? They it's, it's sometimes not that you look at the score bug, right? I think we yeah. all are... are shall we say we've been guilty of that yeah it's how it happened right and again if if you're pressing so the huskies didn't pack it in they put 18 shots on goal in period number three right and you're gonna have games sometimes too and more frustratingly so where maybe it's a zero zero game and you're being dominant in puck possession you're out shooting your opponent 40 to 10 and you just can't buy one the goaltender again miami has a good goaltender ludwig pearson i can't buy one so you you talk about by the way we we keep referencing this game western michigan losing to alaska anchorage alaska anchorage is like third to last in the pairwise this year yeah like and that's a big reason why western michigan is been kind of shall we say uh, it's been kind of a, in the uh, middle an yeah. anchor of where you know they said an, an, an anchorage um yeah uh, <laughs> anyway uh oh for for those who are curious st cloud is obviously off western duluth north dakota cc omaha miami are also off that's seven of the eight teams lindenwood will travel to denver for some non-conference action uh next weekend that's the only nchc matchups that we have going on women's side here Oh hate to say it, Nick. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this one. I, no. You know, this this sucked. Uh, Wisconsin, first of all, traveled to Mankato. 5-2, 5-1 sweep for the Badgers. No surprise there. Nope. Uh, St. Thomas traveling to Duluth. Duluth winning 8-1 to one in night number one. And the Tommies, a shootout win. Yeah. 2-1 in night number two. This is a big deal for Huskies fans, by the way, who are trying to chase Duluth down. This is, I believe, the first win of the season for the Tommies this year. I believe so, so. yeah. Uh, congratulations to them. It wasn't a shootout, but whatever. Chalk it up. And uh, we don't like the Bulldogs. So, uh, <laughs> Ohio State and Bemidji State were the teams that were off this weekend. And St. Cloud had a home-and-home home against Minnesota, and it did not go well. Outscored 15 no. to nothing over the weekend, 6-0, 9-0, respectively. Uh, let's just run you through the, 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 de- the deets here as far as statistics for these games. Friday night, outshot 40-14. to 14. Yikes. Uh, 
One for three on the power play, though, for the Gophers. So the PK has still been solid for this group. I think yep. that's probably one of the – you know what's ironic is the women's team needs to teach the men's team a few things, and the men's team needs yeah. to teach the women's team a few things a about the, the opposite yin and yangs here a little bit. Uh, but face-off percentage, 34.4%, 21 for 61. 15 stops on 19 shots for Sonia Hola. Had a 7.89 before Jojo Choback stopped 13 of 15 for an 8.67. Uh, Vetter, on the other side, of course, had a 1.0 both nights. Saturday's contest, 44 to 15. Margin gets even worse. Uh, gave up one power play goal on four chances, though. So again, PK, you know, in a nine nothing game, doing largely what they had to do. Right. Better faceoff percentage, 23 for 52 at 44.2 percent. 13 of 16 stop for JoJo Choback for an 8-1-3 here. You know, this this Gophers team has supposedly got about four or five injuries, but they seem a little upset about the Hall of so. Fame game. I uh, think so. Yep. And I don't know if they listen to this podcast, but they're probably sick of us saying that, you know, St. Cloud was in the same echelon as them. I still think this Huskies team has a little bit more to prove here. I but agree. let's be fair. St. Cloud was not even in the same stratosphere this weekend. Like, no, they were It not. just was not good. Uh, so... Before I get your take on this here, Nick, I just want to run people through the the standings here so they know. Uh, Minnesota sure. actually did tie Ohio State because uh, Ohio was off this weekend. They're both at 41 points. Ohio has the tiebreaker. Wisconsin right behind at 37. Duluth now jumping up but getting halted slightly this weekend mm-hmm. uh, at 22 points. Uh, St. Cloud has now dropped into that fifth place spot at 19 points. Mankato behind them at 16. St. Thomas actually vaulting Bemidji State now at four points here at uh 13 and one uh somehow that's that math works it that just doesn't, yeah. doesn't seem right uh and Bemidji state is at three points at one and 13 i feel like st thomas st thomas should be at two points i think uh they should be below Bemidji state so the wcha website like i said the standings i try to interpret it i do my best but you know with me in math it's about as good of a relationship as the St. Cloud men's PK against Miami. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, Nick, this this St. Cloud team is going to be off until they have uh, – I have it on our screen here uh, – New Hampshire first and then Merrimack on the 6th and 7th for a holiday tournament here. What does this team got to do to kind of hit the reset button here? Because, like, what do you take from this weekend other than the fact that – like, like let's – I'm just going to lay it out there in case you didn't figure this out. They got their ass kicked. They did. They did. Um, you know, at the end of it – just sort of like the men's right where you know first of all it doesn't take away the successes that this team has already had right but it is a sort of a gut check right that they still have a lot of room for growth yeah um it also shows and i don't want to i do i say those all due respect to ladies right because we know still a good chunk of them they're still playing um they're just not the same talent you know uh echelon as Minnesota, Ohio State slash Wisconsin, right? They're just yeah. not there yet. You know what? You know what stinks too. I sorry to interject. I just wanted to say, uh, WCHA goals for goals against the Huskies entering the weekend were thirty two goals for, thirty nine goals against. They've dropped to fifty four goals against right now. So, like you talk about this weekend, you look statistically and you said, yeah, this team deserves to be in that four or five spot, and I still think they do. Mm-hmm. But you know, now you look at that and you go, wow. Or that the the big loss, obviously, against Ohio State earlier in the year. Like this team has been about 500 goals, four goals against against the teams that they've really had to be. But mm-hmm. those big dogs, they're good. They're good. And that's the thing is, you know, you know, one of the things that we forget, too, is that even these better schools, they get better as the season goes along. Right. They yep. do improve. And uh, for Brian Idolsky, you know, again, uh, we can't say enough about the job that he's done for the first half. Right. But yeah. it is, you know, uh, just 
they're that good. The Gophers are just that good. Yeah. And I think for for St. Cloud, uh, you got to look at, you know, a couple things like, hey, you know, we still have a ceiling that we still need to keep reaching for. Um, it's and I get like I said before, it doesn't take away this, the previous success, but it does show you where you still have to keep yeah. climbing. Well, um, we talked about this team too, right? And we said, you know, a good spot, a successful season for them was fifth in the WCHA. They're right there and they have a chance to cling on to this sucker, right? They have a chance mm-hmm. to really provide some separation here. They've got to have a good weekend series against Duluth, who's also given them fits. But mm-hmm. man, Cato, St. Thomas, Bemidji, got to take care of those three for sure. Got to make yep. sure that you're taking care of business and maybe you get Duluth in the first round. And we talked about overall goals for grows against. They're at 55 compared to 61 respective categories. Before the weekend, it was 55 to 46. This team was outscoring their opponents. Yes, non-conference yeah. helps them. But... Regardless of that being said, you know, they're 11 and 10 overall and 6 and 10 in the WCHA. Duluth has one more conference win against them before you get to the big dogs. Like this team is still in the fight here uh, or the dog fight, whatever you want to call it. But like this team is still good. This one hurts, though. This one hurts. It does. But let me let me throw since we're into math today. Right. Let's (laughs) let's let's do a couple of things. Right. So um, this team all last year scored 65 goals. All oh last gosh. year, they gave up 124. Yeah. So 1.9 goals per game, three and a half goals against, right? So 10 goals away, goals four from last year's mark, if my math serves me correct. Already. Yep. So at the end of it, you can't let a blip, and this this sucks, right? They they got their asses handed to them. Like, yeah. it's, it is what it is. It's it's actually the first weekend series of the year that they definitively like got, got blown smoked. out. Yeah. yeah. And how many times have we said in previous years, Noah, that we wanted more out of this team against some of those other teams you talked about, Bemidji, Mankato, uh, you know, throw Duluth in there too, you know, teams that we still kind of held our breath and was like, uh, you know, Huskies could if they get some momentum. Now it's like we feel better. There's already a higher uh, heightened expectation level and, with this squad. And this could be a good thing too, where it's like you look at maybe it was a maybe it was kind of a systems game. Yes, the Gophers are a good team on paper, but with the right system, we've seen even in the Steve McDonald era where this team give, gave the Gophers fits. Yeah. Now Brian Idolski and Janelle Sergey go back to the drawing board and they say, what didn't work here? Maybe they identify something that the Gophers kind of picked on. Mm-hmm. And they come back maybe in a matchup uh, early in the spring, or maybe it's they meet in the playoffs for whatever reason. And it's yeah. like now you have the edge because now you come out with a new game plan that's going to give you some more success and play to your strengths and really give this Gopher team fit. So um, I'm excited. Yeah. You know yeah. this this team has a chance to rebound. They've got they've got three and a half weeks off. So take care of your body and make sure you're ready to go. And yeah, and at the end, if you want to go even further than that, Noah, they only have two more series against the top three um ohio state at home in the and end wisconsin, of january i'm sure and wisconsin yep. at wisconsin in the other part of february after that uh it's bemidji it's minnesota state um it's uh mankato so you have do they have they have duluth again right they have duluth yeah they have yeah, duluth. that's uh, also- the, that's the series that that is really going to test your metal because the top end teams if you steal a win you steal a win and i don't want to say steal but like they're a good team and they're going to be getting to that point where a sweep would be pretty difficult i mm-hmm. think but this Duluth team is the team that you've got to solve. And the reason yep. you've got to solve them is because all trends, provided you take care of business, point to you getting them in the first round. So you've got to make sure that you're taking care of business. Speaking of that Duluth team, they will host Ohio State uh, this upcoming weekend in WCHA action. WCHA uh, still has, although I feel like I didn't update this again. Let me make sure, Nick, because Lord knows 
that uh, every time as I go through as I go through this, I feel like I hit this point, and I think my brain just kind of checks out a little bit. So, I uh, we are does it ever check in? I don't think it ever does, <laughs> which is kind of scary. Yeah, yes, I was incredibly wrong here. I uh, sorry. So Friday, December sixteenth, Bemidji State travels to St. Thomas. That's our only conference matchup. Uh, they'll have them Friday, Saturday. I. Uh, Mankato travels to Long Island, actually, in Brooklyn, New York. That's exciting. Uh, So they've got some non-conference action Friday, Saturday. Ohio State is Saturday, Sunday against Cornell in Cornell in New York. And then the next action after that will be Ohio State the 30th and 31st that Friday, Saturday. Ohio State will get Lindenwood. And Wisconsin Saturday, Sunday will get Quinnipiac before we really reset January 6th and 7th to go back at it for the women's side of things. So Mm -hmm. I knew I was wrong. You know, I'm now... I'm now recognizing my own errors. Maybe I could be a St. Cloud State Huskies player. Anyway, um, with that being said, uh, <laughs> Minnesota Wild here. Last topic in the main portion of the show. 14-11-2 on the season. 30 points. They are zero points out of third in the Central. Because guess what? They are third in the Central. They vaulted from... Oh, shit. Yeah, from actually the win with two points last night actually pushed Colorado out of playoff spot right now they actually interesting right? because the wild cards are both dominated by pacific teams who have a couple yep. more points so uh they went from being on the outside looking into actually third in the central by tiebreakers basically plus two goal mm-hmm. differential what did they do this past week nick uh six five shootout victory against dallas in a game that was absurd mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah let's not blow a five to one lead that was no scary. that was I, not good i was kind of uh, intrigued how like all the media personnel like uh, at, i almost said fox at bally sports and stuff uh they were talking about you know uh, they come away with a shootout win you know a great victory against the stars and this and that i'm like are we just gonna ignore the fact that they gave up four in the third period yeah, and almost actually. blew a hockey game yeah i was like this yep. is not yeah, great. There is there's times in a broadcast and you and I both know both know that, you know, the producers and whatnot, you know, they want to stick to a positive storyline. Um, sure, that was probably the only positive storyline is that they didn't completely, you know, befuddle that lead because uh, no, they, play, f- they, they play great the first 42 minutes. They did. And yeah. that's the thing is you, you get you, you, you get with three in like two forty seven, three goals. Yeah. So you got four, one. Um, and then, uh, Dallas says, screw this in the third. I'm coming all the way back. Um, <laughs> they're a good team this year. Holy Dallas is good. Um, so, but yeah, you, you definitely don't want to have those stretches. Where you're giving up that many. And that's, that's been yeah. a struggle for the wild. We saw that against Edmonton. Sometimes the player on that has been, shall we say catastrophic. Yeah. Um, tough road trip for them, though. I mean, as far as the schedule, five to three loss in Calgary on Wednesday, five to two loss on Friday against Edmonton, redeemed themselves three to nothing shutout victory for Philip Gustafson in Vancouver. Um, you look at what's on tap. They have Edmonton at home Monday, Detroit at home Wednesday, Chicago at home Friday, and Ottawa at home Sunday. Actually, you know, four games again this week. I mean, it doesn't get any easier schedule wise. Um, 7-3-0 in their last 10. Uh, like we said, a shutout from Gustafson, who I think has played really great as of late. Uh, his past couple of games have looked really good. Yeah. Um, and Sammy Walker made his NHL debut and actually did not look half bad. Almost scored in that game against Vancouver on a mini breakaway last night. Uh, Sam Steele's backhander last night upstairs was disgustingly beautiful, by the way. Yep. Um, and Connor Dewar continues to really tack on the shorthanded tallies. Just won a slap shot that shouldn't be the goaltender, but it did. So, uh, yeah, this... Yeah. This wild team, I, I would say a okayly productive-ish 
week for them. They're still kind yeah. of middle of the pack here. Philip Gustafson has been a really bright spot, good bright spot for this team over the past week and a half. But I mean, this wild team, I still don't know. I like, I, I still, they have so many players individually or little blips where they have really good trends, but then they have these like overarching tendencies that just really don't look great. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? And they're kind of yeah. like they're they're filling in the gaps to mitigate those bad tendencies with individual performances or lines that are you know rolling on a specific night, which sounds like hockey, but like it's still not yeah. getting rid of the underlying issue sometimes, kind of thing. Yes, hundred percent. Um, yeah. you know, it's shall we say that it just it seems like they're just you know last year we we talked about and lauded their consistency right that was yeah. their big thing it has not been the case at all this so far this year um and with 28 games played 27 um yeah. i still don't think that we know who this minnesota wild team really is and the other thing that they've been dealing with this year that they really didn't last year is the injury bug and some key ones right uh, the yeah. loss of right Hartman is still very visible um i think sam Steele has actually done fairly well um on the top line all things considered but you kind of wonder um if and when Ryan Hartman returns, he probably obviously won't be a hundred percent. It will take him a little bit to get back up to speed, but you know, how does, how did the wild shuffle around that top six? Because if there's anything that's been dauntedly missing is that secondary scoring. Oops, Kevin Fiala. <laughs> but, but, but wouldn't yeah. you, but wouldn't you agree that's been their biggest, you know, besides defensive play, which has been a giant bruise on their season so far, but secondary scoring still has, left to be desired and there's certainly no other player to me that's hurting more with the loss of y'all than matt boldy for sure yeah certainly certainly has but like he still continued to trend in the right direction you know yeah. and i think he still continued to grow uh hopefully marco rossi continues to figure out his game in iowa obviously you know like like the the pieces are gonna get there and i think that wild fans kind of expected that we were gonna have this weird little lull for maybe a year or two where it's gonna you know like i said we're shooting for 2025 and that sort of thing I uh, mm-hmm. but it doesn't make it any less painful or hard to kind of figure out for those who are curious by the way uh marco rossi uh in seven games this season down in iowa he has one goal five assists six points uh power play goal Shorthanded assist has a 6.7 shooting percentage on 15 shots. Uh, had a goal and two assists last uh, his first game down there, and uh, has not scored since. Went a stretch of three games where he did not have a point at all, and then had an assist in his previous two games. I just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just kind of taken a little while for him, I think, which is okay. You know, like he's young, yep. like he's super young. But you know, I think Wild fans are kind of hoping that he's gonna have some sort of emotional Spark. rebuilding. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing too, uh, that we have to talk about too, is, you know, you talk about playing for 2025, but you know, it, they might get some more relief even as early as next year. Right. Yeah. Because if, if they, I know anytime that I hear cap projections going up, especially after um, yeah. the COVID, you know, essentially the, the freeze on the hard cap. Yeah. Um, I, sounds, I sounds like 4 million next year. Is that right? It's that's what has been touted. Yeah. But again, it's, you know, the NHL, you know, at the end of the year, they'll do their fiscal calculations. So it's nothing is again, I, I take any, I don't take anything the NHL tells me at face value, especially when it's how many months, seven months before they even make the actual announcement. Yeah. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I hope that's the case because, 
let's talk about this, right? I think if let's just say it is four million, right? That helps the Wild in so many different ways, especially if you don't resign certain players. Uh, yeah. I think we both knew who we're talking about. Um, <laughs> so there could be, you know, shall we say, because um, you have Freddie Goudreau, that's an unrestricted free agent. You have Ryan yeah. Reeves. And, uh, I, and I think that the, the Wild have got to hang on to Goudreau and Steele. I think those are two guys that you I agree. have to um, hang on to. You also have Matt Boldy, who needs to be resigned. He's going to get... Um, yeah, hang on to him too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, you know, and if you're if you're Bill Guerin, I think you're going to try to get a bridge deal out of him if you can um, give him maybe a two year bridge deal to get through that 14 million the next two seasons after this one. That's going to give you some, shall we say, cap restrictions. Um, but if you can figure out a way to go into this offseason with about 10 million dollars in cap space, which is not a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, and you can try to get um, another top six forward. Um, I don't know. It's not going to be easy, especially when uh, you have some players you need to resign. Uh, you got some RFAs coming up. Kalen Addison's also another RFA. Uh, Philip Gustafson is going to be an RFA. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of question marks still. Um, but you do, sounds like you, you you might have your player cards right enough to make somewhat of a splash. Um, I'd be curious to see if Bill Guerin makes any moves before the trade deadline. I think at this point, we know he's looking. I know we, we talked about, uh, I shouldn't say we, but the conversation has been about Brock Besser. That's not happening. I'll tell you that. Yeah, no, um, it, it just doesn't make sense to hamper no. your hamper your cap space like that. And and for the wild again for the next two years. I mean, you, again, we we don't know what that cap is going to be. I think you know, if anything, you know, you maybe trade out a piece. Um, and if you are going to trade in a piece, say a Dumber or whatnot, you got to give someone that's also on the end of term, right? Because you have to know yeah. what you're playing with um, for that same reason. Yeah. Uh, my, my last point here, and this is where we talked about Matt Dumba at a lower salary, because I still think he has value to this wild team. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are talking about, oh, Matt Dumba should be scratched. He should be this and that. I want to walk you through some things here. So obviously not a big point getter this season, but no. let's walk, walk through his game logs. Uh, let's go through since the start of December, which is five games. Plus one, plus two, even plus one plus one um didn't have a point okay oh sorry that's alex that's alex Golgowski. sorry i was like oops yeah um, but 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 this is a good comparable actually alex is a great baseline here because he's kind of in that mix with john merrill and matt dumba as guys that we look at as rotating in and out potentially right mm-hmm. john merrill for example z- even plus yep. one even dash three against dallas yeah and then even good. against anaheim matt dumba Plus two, dash one, even with an assist, minus one, plus one. Like, he's been very serviceable. Like, he's been very, you know, I think the price tag kind of hurts a little bit. But if Mm -hmm. you looked at Matt Dumba and you said, let's say you put him with a very defensively responsible defenseman. Like, you know, obviously Mm -hmm. you understand. Yeah, but, you know, even Alex Goligoski is fairly responsible defensively, not the most fleet of foot, but. You know, responsible John Merrill on a good day, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. all of them have been comparable in terms of their plus minus. They've all been doing the right things. So my question is, I mean, you have Andre Suster obviously waiting in the wings, but like, who do you who do you who do you scratch him for? Who do you? That's you know, a, and that's the thing, right? You know, is you know, it's 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 going to be interesting how Bill Guerin looks at this puzzle defensively, right? Because yeah. uh, Kalen Addison also had a healthy scratch, right? Yeah. Um, he has. Shall we say had the rookie struggles? I think that's fair to say. Um, but besides the younger defenseman, right, 22, 
Your youngest defenseman is Jacob Middleton at 26 after that. Yeah. And then it's Dumba at 28, Brody in 29, Spurgeon 33, um, Merrill at 30, right? So you don't, you have an aging defensive core. Um, so I'd be curious to see if, A, do, do they re-sign Dumba for a team-friendly deal? Does he want to take that? Does yeah. he get traded to some other team that wants depth at the deadline uh, yeah. say on, on the other conference. I don't know. I think there's a huge question mark there because like you said, you get rid of Dumba. Who else do you have? I, mean, he, he's, I, I could see I Dumba going to like, if they could figure out some sort of cap situation where you retain salary, I don't know how they would swing it, but especially with injuries, I wonder like, is Toronto a good landing spot for a guy like Matt Dumba who they could add him as some depth instead of a guy like Connor Timmons, for example, <laughs> You know, you know. I, here's the thing with Toronto. Um, I see where you're going. I don't know if Toronto, because what? Because they have been. I mean, speaking of injuries, my God, yeah, Toronto, Morgan Riley, Jake Muzzin, yeah. So you, you kind of wonder where their heads are at because, well, how how many years have been saying that this is going to be the year? Then they have to explode yeah. and blow it up, and it just hasn't happened yet. Um, I but don't I, know. But I agree, though, that like Matt Dumba at two mil, two and a half mil, if he's still here, is still fine. a serviceable defenseman. He certainly fine. is. Like, there's nobody that I look around that you're going to find for that price tag that offers what he's still going to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, defensive plays notwithstanding, does he make the occasional boneheaded play? Yeah, sure. But he also has some good offensive flair that gives teams a different look as well, too. So, um, very curious. But nonetheless, Nick, I think it's time we move on to our extra ice session here. Uh, we are. And over 90 minutes here in this show, so it might be time to, yeah. Yeah, to cruise on over to our extra ice session where we'll talk some more college hockey overall. And welcome into the Extra Ice Session, episode number 141. I'm Noah Grant. Nick Maxson is alongside me. Happy holiday season here in December. Good little wave. I like that. Very subdued. Very uh, very royal family-esque. Um, Except no, you, yeah, you like didn't. You, you didn't have the. Thing. Yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't practiced it on part of it. Years of what? No. Yeah, you say yeah. that, but <laughs> with that, we we know what he does at U.S. Bank in his free time. Uh, with that being said, though, uh, I I want to know what that is. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> so so obviously the pairwise, of course, uh, as we've talked about, has been updated. Um, you know, as as recording to you know when results come in. So Saint Cloud has dropped to sixth. Um. Merrimack has vaulted in the pairwise. They're certainly not in the same spot as far as the polls. Polls last have St. Cloud at four. I would imagine they'll also drop to six. I would think Penn State's going to go over them for sure with the split against Notre Dame. And Michigan probably goes over them with the split that they had against Michigan State. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say that would be about fair. But, you know, we're not really here to talk about rankings and this and that. I kind of want to talk about, you know, the polls. How do we interpret the polls? How do we rank the polls? What do we take from the polls? What do we take from the pairwise, especially, you know, halfway through the season where it's kind of sorting itself out, but the math isn't quite there yet. Um, You know, and obviously we've talked about, yes, the focus is playoffs, tournament time, you know, making the big dance and seeing what happens, that sort of thing. But is there some value to the polls? Is there some value to looking at the pairwise this early? How is a hockey fan, Nick, and as someone who knows the game well, like you do, um, how do we interpret a poll? What do we take from it? Uh, well, if you remember the 2016 presidential election polls, mean nothing. So <laughs> I had oh. to throw it. I know, right? I had to throw that out. There, and but, that's our show for this. And week. that's the show, anyway. But to be, but there's 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 a curiosity that 
and truth to that though is that polls are an eye test, right? That, that's really what they are. Um, yeah, polls are polls. It um, does not can, matter at the end of the freaking day. Though. And can we talk about um, for those who who don't know? Because um, obviously, you take the top twenty in the poll, and then you have others that receive votes. It's usually about ten to twelve teams that get a right. vote here and there. Um, can we talk about how the polls are done as well? Too maybe people don't know. Most mostly, there's a coaches poll. Um, yeah. So you 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 pair you you polls you 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 pull the coaches on the poll. How does that work? Anyway, yeah, you you so pull them. You pull them. Unless, um, unless, yeah, you're, they, unless you're Rico Blasi, then you're lucky to get them in the hallway. <clears throat> anyway, uh, well, you're lucky to get them on the phone too. Apparently, so uh, you know, at, at the end of it, but you you can get them on the bench. You know, snapping a stick in half. That way, that way, that way, you can. So, um, and you know, I think everybody, if you pull them, that would say, yeah, you're a little bit of angry. So, um, going forward, though. Uh, you know, basically it's, it's kind of like how, uh, shall we say you kind of vote for the top three players of the game? You just go, okay. Yeah. These, it, but yeah. you kind of rank your teams, right? Is yeah, the coach is getting handed yeah. a, a sheet with 20 empty slots and say, okay, put, put your, put your orders in. It's or completely like, subjective or like, or like college football where it's like sports writers, associated press, basically yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. And, and there's multiple college hockey polls where there's USA, there's the USA today. There's the USAHO.com poll. Yeah. Um, yeah, at the end of it. They're polls. They're not scientific. They are at an eye test. Uh, I know the Bucci, the person that everybody lauds as college hockey's most, you know, favorite, uh, you know, curator of the game. Um, every time he throws in a poll, I laugh. Yeah, I really do. And usually and, it probably has St. Cloud down at like nine or 10, because why do we 16 more? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and that's the funny thing about the polls, right? Is that you have, Folks who are on the East Coast who don't ever see us here in the Midwest and vice versa. And so the polls are tough because college hockey just does not have. I think it's fair to say this. No, I don't think college hockey has this. It doesn't have the same reach. It doesn't have the same, you know, constant conversation across the nation as, say, college football, college yeah. basketball, and anything else. Right. And it's and it's hard to take in all of those games. Hockey is such a difficult thing because. You know, yes, you have like five to one scores or this and that, but it's not definitive like college football where Ohio State will beat Niagara 52 to three. You know what I mean? Like where, you know, there's a huge separation and you can look at for five minutes and say, oh, yeah, this is how the game went. Hockey is such a luck based back and forth game that it's hard to evaluate that. Well, and, and let's take St. Cloud's results this weekend, for example. Um, you take care of business against Miami, and then you get sweat, you get shut out the next night, and you're going, "What? Wait, what the hell? What happened here?" Right? So, yeah, there's not, as you mentioned, there's not a and definitive. It, and, if, and if you don't open up the box score and realize, oh, three goals on a major power play really changed this game. They were pressing hard, that sort of thing. Not that it makes a huge difference, but like it does impact. You know, a poll is essentially, like you said, a subjective. A sub- subjective measure of you say that three times fast yeah of that measure um of how <laughs> of of how you look at a team and not necessarily what their results were but how do their results speak to the way they play the game yep. you know if you have so penn state came into the weekend at 14 and 4 denver's now at 14 at 4 st cloud's at 14 and 4 which penn state obviously is now 15 and 5 you look at those three teams all in the same range they're wildly different the way they play the game. Denver's the best team out of those three teams right now, for 100%. sure. Yeah. How much do you value the Big Ten and the games against Notre Dame over St. Cloud dropping an egg against Miami? But do you believe the NCHC is stronger than the Big Ten when you take into account your poll and you look at St. Cloud and Penn State at four and five or five and six? 
you know, that that's the conversation you're having in your head. So this is a great time to announce that we're going to do a poll here on the Husky. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're like, we are not doing that every week. But I, that's the thing is you're trying to take those things into account and really – if you put St. Cloud at five and Michigan at six, or you put Michigan at five and St. Cloud at six, AIC doesn't give a damn when they play no. them in March. No. You and, know? And, and that's the thing is you're still in the first half of the season, right? Where teams are still getting better. Um, you know, there's still a lot of movements in the first half between teams that are training up and other teams that we maybe expected more that haven't really. So basically delivered the results we expected. Yeah. Once we get into, I'd say what end of January, early February. Yeah. First week of February is a good feeler out for where we're getting in some clarity and really where the final pieces are going to kind of make themselves known where it's like, you look at yeah. the end of January and you say, okay, Michigan tech has this, this, and this, they can't drop this one and they've got to have this one. That's where you get mm-hmm. some clarity here. So, and that's where the polls start to match the pairwise a little bit. Right. Yeah. Which is like, okay, so these teams are definitely, we, we know who they are in a sense, you know, are they, you know, the top 10 powerhouse that we saw earlier in the season or have they dropped back a bit or geez, this team was kind of on the bubble, man, they vaulted up in the second half, right? These teams are on a run. So it's, it's tough early, right? It's in again with, and the other part of it is college hockey, all the games happen at the same time. So it's really difficult to go back and watch like full games and, you know, you have 16 TVs on and to really take in a lot of the action, because you mentioned, even beyond the box score, right, Noah? Uh, you, you, it's hard to really pay attention to all of it to really know how are they losing, how are they winning, what's really their strength, which maybe what is their weakness, right? Because you can't also get that just from a box uh, score. Obviously, this is week to week, so there is a discrepancy because the poll, of course, doesn't come out until Monday for USCHO at least. But like, think about this: last week, Merrimack polled at eleven. Right now, in the pairwise, they're at three. Third. Like, you know, so there's little discrepancies where it's hard to get a read on that that sort of thing where. It's like that's where, you know, when Max Veach, for example, talks about, you know, what is going on with the pairwise, this and that, you know, the polls say this, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yes, the math is there, but you don't have an equal playing field for the math right now because they haven't played similar numbers of games. They haven't had all the common opponents. Holiday tournaments tend to give that a little bit more or the kind of exhibition-y, not exhibition, non-conference schedule, you know, that Mm -hmm. we're going to get, you know, before we kind of reset for each conference starting in the second half here. So this is where you look at this and you say, oh, that's interesting. And that really, I would say, if you look at a poll and you pull anything from that, maybe even if you're looking week to week, you start to maybe see kind of the trends of where a team is going to sit sort of thing. So you look at St. Cloud and you say, oh, they might be anywhere from two to eight. You know, and that's kind of where you look at that range versus like, you know, then you're allowed to look at the pairwise and you pick out Merrimack and you say, oh, Merrimack's been doing really well. They're a top 16 team. Can they keep it rolling or is Hockey East not as strong as we keep saying that they are? You know, so like that's what I I think it kind of gives you more of an idea of things to watch for and Mm -hmm. things to things to have intrigue about. Like think about when we started doing the shows week after the shows, the scores week after week after week on the show. If mm-hmm. I told you, Nick, I said, you know what? The entire month of November and December, we're going to be talking about Merrimack. You would have been like, what the what the hell are you talking about? Right. But they've been good. They've beaten teams have. that have been comparable in their conference, and they push themselves in the top 20 in the country, both in polls and obviously in the pairwise. So that's what you take a look. You look and say, huh, Merrimack. Okay. Who do they play next? 
are they that good? What was the result of those games? So I think if you're if you're looking at polls, I think that it almost has more value as a, for, a, for a casual college hockey fan because it gives you an idea of what to look for and teams to kind of watch. Right, but they're of. not yeah. – it's not a definitive – you know, that's the thing is the, there's yeah. – it's when the fan takes the actual number and says this is a definitive, you know, sort of ranking, right, which which it's not, right? It's, yeah. it's a measuring stick, and it's one way to measure a team. It's, again, not – you know, it doesn't have any – shall we say wait to and certainly the players and, and or like anything. i said it'll give you it'll give you an idea of where a team stands last week easy to say st cloud is probably a top four team in the country after this mm-hmm. week they're probably a top eight team in the country yeah you know so it gives you an idea of kind of the trends and those sorts of things and i think those things are fair if you said denver and minnesota were going to be a top four team in the country no one's going to bat an eye at that right and, you know? and, and and at the end of it like we said you know no one's going to care come April if you're in Tampa hoisting the national championship trophy, what you were pulling at in December. No one yep. cares. No one cares. Because uh, at the end of the day, you could be 16. Ask AIC. You could be 16 and take down the number one team in the country um, with poor ice conditions in Fargo. But that's a side story. Because uh, that's Ga- the thing. is, games No one in, cares. Games in North Dakota don't go well for teams. I was there for Holy Cross in 2006, and it didn't go well. I remember Michigan Tech, that guy falling his senior year against North Dakota mm-hmm. in Fargo as well, too. Yeah, it's a, they've actually redone their entire uh, resurfacing plant and chiller plant there at uh, oh, Shields Arena, have. by the way. Yeah, they actually have. So uh, Needed they, it. They've been very uh, intentional about such things, uh, just like AIC chipping a puck off the glass. Um, and floating it to center ice with our <laughs> defenseman flat-footed. No, no way. Yeah. Um, well, hof- you know. Well, hopefully we won't be flat-footed here, Nick. Um, no. And we'll float through uh, into hopefully some really great fan questions. I hope we get a lot. I, I would love to talk all things college hockey and see what you guys think, obviously. Uh, you know, reaching out to other podcasts. Of course, more Clappers. Weldy doing his podcast. We reached out and talked to him about, you know, some questions we had for his show, too. Of course, he's doing a great job. Mick Hatton doing a good job as always. And it's always fun to kind of hear from the fans and see kind of where the temperature is at, what they think, what they want to know. So uh, mm-hmm. we will be doing that. We'll be opening that up tomorrow on Monday. Uh, look on Twitter, find us at Warming House Den. We'll have that opened up uh, so that you can comment through. Essentially, showtime start the following Sunday, 10 a.m., I believe. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll get some more details, obviously, in that tweet. As far as important dates, of course, we have a show next Sunday, the 18th. We'll be off the following week. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everybody. Back January 1st of 2023 as far as the show. Only game left in December is men's hockey's exhibition game against Manitoba on the 30th. And then, uh, of course, they're back in action the 6th and 7th against Minnesota. Women's hockey will be playing those same dates, New Hampshire and Merrimack. That will be down actually in Minneapolis at a holiday mm-hmm. tournament as well. As far as this week, NHL hockey is consistent. Uh Edmonton, Detroit, Chicago, Ottawa on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday in that order. Can't wait to cover it all. That will do it for episode number 141. For Nick Maxson, I'm Noah Grant, and we will see you soon in the den. One-timer coming, they score! Fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the 
now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.